A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison and joining me as ever is the wonderful Stuart Whiffin. How are you, mate? Hello. I'm good. I'm good, actually. Yeah, not not too bad at all. I'm very excited to... I mean, we should say that we're recording the intro just after we've actually recorded the chat. Um, a little peek behind the curtain there at the MMA Fan Podcast. And I can tell you now, listener, you are in for a treat. They really are, aren't they? They are, yep. We've got a, a wonderful guest on, fourth-ranked featherweight in the world, talking about potential title shot opportunities, but also talking about his journey into the world of, of mixed martial arts and, and the, the, the drive that he has. and, and Saving lives. Saving life, Save the life. How to save a life. Um, yeah, he literally did save the life. So... Do you know what? Let's just—we've we, teased you enough. We've got title shot aspirations. We've got saving a life, and we've got all the other gubbins that comes with the MMA fan podcast chat. Should we just get on with it? Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, how you doing, mate? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. How are you guys? Uh, we're all good. We're all good. Appreciate your time today. Thanks very much for coming on, Josh. I mean, we 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 usually like to start these chats by just um. Going right back to the beginning and, and getting to know you a little bit and asking where you grew up and if where you grew up was a, an area where you felt like it was important to be tough. Was that an, an early thing for you to have to, to deal with? Um, yeah, no. So I, I, I grew up in uh, Sacramento, California. And uh, yeah, no, it's not, not really, you know, I, I didn't feel like I have to be tough or, uh, you know, the, the area I grew up, I, I don't have to be tough, but it's just, um, oh, that's a good question. Never kind of thought about it, but it's, it's something that just kind of, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, I, I had an older brother, um, and then just, uh, yeah, just, just kind of being the younger, the younger brother and stuff like that. And maybe feeling like you have to be tough. And, and, you know, when we would, um, yeah, trying to, you know, look up to him or, or be like him or, you know, certain things like that. And, you yeah. know, I saw how my older brother, he, he was, uh, he was tough and he was in, uh, martial arts and stuff like that. And so I, I guess, uh, yeah, now that you say that it was, uh, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, maybe I felt like I needed to be tough, even though I didn't. Was you, was you comfortable with confrontation as a young man? Um, yeah, I guess a lot of things didn't really, um, really bother me too much. Um, yeah, I felt, I felt like I was 
calm and uh, confrontation really didn't didn't bother me. I, I wasn't getting into like fights and stuff at, at a young age or anything like that. But I I I wouldn't be uncomfortable i guess you could say yeah, yeah. some good questions yeah I, it's just like thinking about it. no one's ever asked me stuff like that so uh <laughs> yeah well no i always find that stuff fascinating because as i grew up in an area where i did feel like you you sort of had to be tough i grew up in an area of south london that was you know it, it was known for being a bit of a rough area but i myself from in no way no way uh, was uh if confrontation ever happened i would always get that kind of the butterflies in the stomach. I, I, I you know, I, I, you know that people say you got fight or flight. For me, I found the third, the third one, which was freeze. I would just, I didn't know what to do in a confrontational situation at all. And I'm always fascinated by by mixed martial artists and whether they were someone. And it's interesting some of the responses we've had because some people like yourself just seem to be okay with it. They seem to just like there's a natural, maybe like instinctive thing where you don't panic. But then there's some others that said that they, they have kind of panicked or been upset as a child if a confrontational situation happened. But they sort of, through, I suppose, martial arts, learn how to deal with those emotions when a confrontational situation arises. So, but yeah. you felt like you instinctively were capable of dealing with uh, it. Yeah, and, and I think so. It's just like, uh, you know, it's uh, like growing up, it's like, didn't have the, the easiest upbringing and stuff like that. And I mm. felt like I was a mediator a lot. And I, and I've had like, you know, people that would kind of freeze up when, when something, you know, bad happens or scary happens, like they would freeze up. And I was always the person that was kind of like running towards the fire and uh, going to kind of like help solve it, fix it, or, uh, just, just like lend a helping hand. So I, I don't know, maybe it's just, uh, instinctive for me. Like I, I felt like, uh, I would always try to, yeah, just kind of to help and, and not really think things out thoroughly or um, be like, maybe if I do this, there's going to be consequences or something else. I would just, I wouldn't think about like myself. I would just run to help, um, which was either, who knows, but that, that's just kind of how, how I've, I've been brought up and, and, and just e even when I've done things and had consequences and bad things that happened to me, um, I, I'm like knowing the outcome, I would still do things again. Uh, even though like, like one time, for instance, it's like in college, I was, um, I was walking downtown and I, I looked over and there was this guy getting like beat up, like really bad. He was a, he was a big guy too. He was getting beat up and there was two other big, big guys. They were, they were tonging, um, and they were beating these guys up. And without me thinking about it, I ran over there to help this guy. I didn't even know. And I threw this guy off of him. And then this other huge guy is coming at me. I'm going to have to fight him. And then there was like me not knowing there was like four or five guys. And so then I get sucker punched and then they start doing kind of the same thing to me. They jump me and I had to go to the, I was in like the trauma unit because I had a broken jaw, shattered jaw, had this huge wow. scar on my face. But this guy that I didn't know that I helped, he was he was in a neck brace. His, his face was black and blue and bumped up. Uh, it looked like someone beat him up with a baseball bat and the, the cops came in and they were kind of doing an investigation, trying to find these guys that, cause it was attempted murder. And, and the cop was saying, if I didn't step in and help, um, the guy probably would have been dead. But even knowing that with me going through like broken jaw and all these things, I'd have my, my jaw wired shut for eight 
eight weeks, I would have done it again. You know what I mean? Just, just because knowing the outcome and, and that's just who I am. And in my, my friends, this is when I went away to school. So like my friends from Sacramento, the, my, my wrestling team that I was out there wrestling and the coaches, they were pissed at me for like putting myself in a position like that. Like, why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I would do it again, even knowing the outcome. So that's just how I was raised. That's how I was brought up. And I don't know. It's just, (laughs) I'll, I'll do what I can, you know? And so how did you find yourself in your first martial arts gym? And, and, and was that, was MMA happening then or was it a a karate class or what, how did you sort of get into it, Josh? Yeah. So I, I, I guess, uh, yeah, martial arts. Um, my, I first started getting into it when I was, I must have been in, I don't know, middle school, like sixth, seventh grade. I started doing Kung Fu. Um, well, well, the whole thing, like I would have started martial arts at a, a much younger age. Um, when, when I was young, my, my mom, she wanted my, my older brother and I to, you know, pick a sport that we wanted to do. Um, my older brother picked Taekwondo. And so then I wanted to do that as well. And then, you know, she, since he was older, he got to decide but she didn't want us both in Taekwondo because we fought at home all the time and in rough house. And so she's like, you guys will just fight there. And then we'd learn more stuff. So then we take it home and probably just be doing sparring matches. Um, so, so, since, so since he was older, he got a, he got a pick. And so he did that. So my mom said I needed to find something else. And, and I didn't know I was like in first grade or something. I was a young kid. So my mom went out and found a tumbling. So it was like acrobatic. So I started doing, tumbling like as a young kid and i was like i don't want to do this i want to go to like karate or taekwondo but uh i'm grateful for that because it it kind of built this base for me you know um and then i grew up playing you know sports my entire life um but i, I started doing kung fu when i was like i said in middle school i was always a, a a little guy a small guy and um going back to like childhood and stuff like that it's not like the best upbringing so uh yeah i felt kind of like i needed to to do something to to kind of like you know whether it was protect my mom or myself in certain situations um and and that's why i got into to wrestling in, in middle school as well when you say you you were doing like tumbling and stuff gymnastics is there any of that that's actually translatable in any way to mixed martial arts is there anything that you you learned whether it's a certain aspects of the athleticism dexterity anything like that 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 you feel like benefits you now that you're a mixed martial artist yeah and and that's what i felt like that was the the base or the foundation of like my my athletic career just because at, at a young age i was doing tumbling so it's like a lot of balance a lot of footwork um we were working out so i i, I remember like I have pictures when I was in like second, third grade, like just, I had a six pack already just, you know, I, I felt like that built the bound, the foundation for me. Um, because you have to be, you, you look at gymnasts, even though acrobatics is just floor exercises. So that's why it's just tumbling. It wasn't like gymnastics, but you look at any gymnast, they are strong as hell. You know what I mean? So I felt like it, it built like my strength base, my, like I said, my footwork, my balance. And then that, that, that transition into every sport that I played. And then when I started wrestling, um, I feel like it, it increased that, but I was always, I, I feel like I was gifted athletically. Like, even though I was a short guy, people probably like, Oh, this guy can't do a whole lot. I can play any sport and I I'm really good at it and really coordinated and things like that. So I would pick things up so fast. Um, and, and I, I think that did, um, 
that's kind of where it all started from. I wanted to ask you one more thing, Josh, because I feel like we very quickly circled away from the fact that you saved a man's life. <laughs> and I feel like that, that needs a little bit more exploration, if you don't mind. Because, I mean, did, did, you, did you ever have any contact after the event with the guy whose life you saved at all? No, no, not at all. He, I, I don't know. The, the cop came in. They were looking for, uh, for these guys that, that did that to him and myself. And then, uh, you know, at the same spot, like a, a week later, someone was actually shot and killed outside of that same spot. So I don't know if it was related to the, the people or luckily that didn't happen a week prior, <laughs> you know, but who, who, who knows? So, um, were you aware of any arrests or anything like that that, that no, came nothing. from the case? No, nothing no. jesus yeah the only, i mean amazing that, how amazing that you were there the only thing that came out and it's not not good or but it was uh like for all like the medical um stuff that i had to go through since it i was like a victim of a violent crime they, they kind of took care of that so that was that was lucky so i didn't i didn't have uh <laughs> i don't have outstanding medical bills due to that so well, that's another thing we don't like in this country. We have uh, the National Health Service, so we don't. We don't, I don't know if you're aware of that, but we don't pay for medical stuff. It's all you know. You pay your taxes and you get free medical care effectively. So I just uh, the, the the whole thought of like having to pay for any sort of medical stuff. I think people in this country just sounds like and it's crazy bizarre. Because I feel like most mo yeah. places too. It's like the U.S. needs to <laughs> needs to. Uh, I wish we had medical insurance, you know, it's like, we don't, we have to pay for school. We have to pay for medical insurance and it's, uh, and it's expensive, you know, and we have to pay our taxes. So it's like they're, they're triple dipping. <laughs> and extra difficult for you as a fighter. I mean, we'll, we'll get onto it in a bit, but you, you have suffered, unfortunately, a few injuries in, in your career that keep you, that stop you from working. But also I'm assuming, do, do you have to pay for those medical bills as well? Or do like the UFC cover that? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, um, you get injured in a fight, the UFC covers that, uh, covers that expense. So, so that's, that's good. It's, it's almost like a worker's comp, um, that wow. they have. So yeah, yeah. They, they take care of everything. Um, uh, so, so which is nice because even now, like I don't have medical insurance, like I'm only covered when I fight, um, which is kind of hard just because it's expensive, you know, like if my wife and I were to get medical insurance, uh, even just given like our age and stuff, it's not even profession. Like we're both healthy, but we're, you know, in our mid thirties, it's, uh, it'd be expensive. I, it'd probably be like 800 bucks a month or something for a wow. good hospital. You can, cheap, you can get some cheap insurance, but then you have to go to these like lousy hospitals. Um, and then still it'd be like three, $400 a month and we don't use it. So, but we, we should obviously get something just in case there's like a, it's there in case there's a, an accident or some type of emergency, yeah. but it's just hard. Yeah. Just, but no cover if you're sorry, Stu, no, no cover. If you're just like training it like, so during your fight camp in the lead up, do you get covered during that? Or is that if you, if you got an injury during training camp, would that come out of your pocket? I think it would come out of my pocket, but but I think I, I might be wrong. I think the UFC they just um, whether it was this year or last year they just started doing something. If something were to happen in in, in camp, I want to say there's a deductible, uh, like fifteen hundred dollar right. deductible, but then they would cover up to a certain amount, and and I don't know the the dollar amount, but maybe like fifty grand, but um, which wouldn't be that much you know how how much like the medical expenses can be um if you're in the hospital or, or need surgery they're they're like way beyond that price um threshold but 
but at least it's something, but, but I, 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 I would need to like clarify and, uh, yeah. cause I, cause I don't know exactly. No, fair enough. I just want to sort of go back to, um, we spoke about uh, the, the wrestling uh, and, and kung fu. Josh, can you tell us about the first sort of amateur fight or the first time you, you, you got in a, an octagon and competed in mixed martial arts? And just tell me about the mental aspect of that for you. You know, the first time you was getting in a you know a cage, I guess it was called then. Uh, and, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, so uh, my my first amateur fight was 2010. I want to say, yeah, 2010. Um, yeah, what? It, it was neat. It was a cool experience. Uh, it was uh, it was different. I, I was going to go pro because I, I, I wrestled like my whole life. I, I wrestled in junior college at the four year level. I was training at Uriah's in 2005, and then after I got my degree and uh, finished wrestling, I was going to just go pro. But they're like, "Hey, why don't you just do some amateur fights just to kind of get the nerves out, get the feel of this." Um, yeah, just see how you respond because amateur record doesn't really mean anything. But, but my whole thought process was, okay, I, I was having, I had my first amateur fight when I was like 26 years old, I was getting in, you know, I, I was just like, if I lost the amateur fight, when my only goal is to fight for the UFC, I was done. You know, obviously if I couldn't beat someone as amateur at that time, I was like, ah, oh, what makes me think I can get in the UFC? So, uh, that's just what I was thinking. That's not what anyone else should do, but it's my opinion. Um, so when I was, I was trained, I trained for like two months and then had an amateur fight. Um, it was not too far. It was like two hours from Sacramento. So I, I got up in the morning, I, I drove down there, uh, made weight and then, um, and then had to fight shortly after you know like that that day so that it was like same day weigh-in i was fighting at 155 i I didn't really think a whole lot about it just because you know i i trained at one of the best gyms in the world for mma for the lighter weights um and so while i was like before i walked out i was just warming up and I, i asked my coaches um i was like is it bad that i'm not nervous um and they're like no that's great so I, I just kind of did my thing, walked out to the, out to the cage and yeah, it's, it, it was just, like I said, it was a, it was a cool experience, kind of different just because MMA is different, especially when you're coming up, you need like a good management or you need um, a good gym that knows <laughs> that like knows the I don't know, knows the sport, knows the people, things like that. Because in, in a sense, when it can be shady, people set people up. And uh, I, I feel like they were trying to do that to me. I was, uh, you know, I was fighting someone that was really green too. It was their first MMA fight. But I guess this guy had had previous uh, like kickboxing um, experience. And he was from a gym, AKA. So the people that were at that particular amateur fight, my first amateur fight, was like uh Kane Velasquez, it was Josh Koscheck, Phil Brony, John Fitch. Um the list goes on. And they were all there to watch this guy. Cause that was like their I don't know, they thought he would do really well and be like the next big thing out of the gym. So uh but but then again, then you run into someone like me too. So they didn't know who I was. I just had a wrestling background, come from a good gym, team alpha male. So I, I end up I walk out there do my thing. I think, Oh, I'm going to stand up and just box this guy, but you always go back to your instinct. So it's like, I, I think the the fight started, maybe I got hit with a punch and then I, I just, without thinking, I just go right into to wrestling and I'm trying to take this guy down and, 
and, and I kind of do that, but I end up knocking them out in the second round bad. So it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then a fight broke out and it was just, it was nuts, man. It was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely fun and, uh, good experience. And, uh, that kind of how things started, but that's that was that the same fight where you you didn't isn't that one of your first fights or your first fight you broke your hand in the first round of the fight and then still won the fight anyway was that that fight or was that a different fight? that was uh that was my first pro fight this was my first that was your first pro fight. fight yeah um but but that that fight was different too because it was uh i actually fought in the gym where we train uh uriah had his own it was called capital fighting i think capital city fighting alliance and so what he would do is, you know, he's a smart businessman. So every now and then they would completely clear out the the whole gym. And we had a boxing ring in, in the center of the gym. Uh, and then he would just, he would put up chairs basically and, and pack the place as full as he possibly could. And then he was still charging like 50 bucks a head to get in and it would sell out. Like every chair was filled out and then people were standing in the back. Um, and so I, I got a fight, my first pro fight in the gym I trained at in, in a boxing ring. Um, and, and that's where, that's where I broke my hand. It was like the same thing. It was, I, I took the guy down and I, I hit him with like this overhand left and just hit the corner of my, my hand, like on top of his forehead and, and my second metacarpal. So your index finger, it just snapped in half and, uh, probably like 45 seconds into the fight. And and I could just feel that bone in my glove, just flopping around. It just weird. thing. So I, I, I went into the, after the first round, I told my coaches, I was like, Oh, my hand's broken. And they're like, well, use that right hand you have and take him down, use your elbow. So I, I did exactly that. Wonderful. Wow. I mean, you, you, you spoke about Alpha Mel um, a, a, a bit so far, and uh, it was great to see uh, our fellow Brit, Corey McKenna, get a win at the weekend. Yeah. And uh, what's the vibe like at the moment in Alpha Mel? And, and tell us a little bit about what a sort of typical day is in, in, in Team Alpha Mel. Yeah, no, the, the vibe is great, man. It's uh, year round. Uh, we, we have, I feel like, some of the most, like, I don't know about other gyms because I, I haven't gone to a whole lot of other gyms, but just people that come to our, our gym, whether they're, they're coaches or athletes, um, they say we have something truly special. Uriah built something special. Like uh, it's super regimented and scheduled. We have multiple pro practices every single day, um, six days a week. And then we have people, whether they're in the UFC, they're in Bellator, you know, PFL, whatever they are, we, we have so many people on the mats and like the, that's why I say like the best training partners year round there, there can be like 15 to 25, 30. I think at one point we had like, just with like UFC fighters, we had like 20 people always on the mat, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's cool. And that you can pick, um, depending on who you're fighting, you can really, um, say like, okay, this person emulates, you know, the, the, the opponent that I'm going to fight, you know, with their, their body stature and their, you know, it's so, so we really do have a, a, a variety of pe- people to kind of pick and choose from and, and better the best, some of the best fighters in the world. Whereas, you know, some gyms, they have like one UFC fighter or they have like two or three. So, so we're truly blessed in that sense, but, but it's always like, yeah, good, good vibe always. And, uh, people always helping each other out. And then I feel like we have some of the best, you know, coaching staff as well. And, um, yeah, it's 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 been great to be a part of. Wonderful. 
Um, we've got to ask you a few questions about the featherweight division at the moment. I mean, featherweight, first and foremost, is just an absolutely stacked division. I think you're ranked fourth at the moment in the featherweight division, which, I mean, is quite an amazing achievement in itself when you're seeing just the, 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 the amount of talent coming through at 145. And I think equally at 135 and 155, there's something about those weight categories that are just so unbelievably stacked. Uh, and we've got a, a, a pretty dominant champion in, in Alexander Volkanovsky at the moment who's wanting to go up and fight for the lightweight belt. I know he's got an injured hand at the moment, so that won't be happening anytime soon, but he's talking about going up and fighting at lightweight. I suppose there's two schools of thought with that. One would be, look, he's defended the belt like three or four times or whatever. He's looked amazing. Let him go up and, and fight for the lightweight belt. But the other thing would be, well, he's only beat like, well, he's beaten Korean Zombie, Ortega and Max twice. But he he hasn't exactly cleared out the division. There's yourself. There's Yair Rodriguez. You know, there's Arnold Allen. There's a lot of people in that division that are, have got a case for a title shot. What do you think about Volk going up and fighting at 155? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you think that's a bit premature or do you think he, he's, he's deserved the right, he's earned the right to do that? Yeah, no, I, I think he's earned the right, you know, he can kind of look at him. He's, he's one of the pound for pound best. He's, he's in my opinion, the featherweight goat, just because 
Um, he's undefeated in the UFC. He, he's beat the legends and the previous goats of the division. You know, he beat Jose Aldo. He beat Max Holloway three times. And then he's beat, you know, really good guys as well, like Ortega, Zombie. Um, so he definitely, in, in my opinion, he's earned the right to uh, whether he wants to go up. Um, but but we'll, we'll kind of see. And, and like he said, he wants to stay active. He wants to, you know, fight at featherweight and lightweight but i I don't agree that he's cleaned out the division at all you know like i'm still right there um i I feel like i should be next in line to fight for the title um just given you know i've been beating people most of my career at featherweight mostly everyone was in the top 10 they were always on like some three four fight winning streak the next big thing and then i fight them beat them and then they go on this this little skid afterwards um, you know, so I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm next and, and, and I'm pretty sure that will happen, um, that I will fight for a title, whether it's an interim title or it's, uh, the real title, but we have to kind of see how long Volkanovski is going to be out with that hand injury. So does it, cause the other thing that I think even Dana White has mentioned was a potential interim title fight between yourself and Jair Rodriguez. Is that something that would interest you or do you just want to go for the undisputed belt? You did just men- mention the interim belt there. So is that something that would excite you, you and Jair for an interim belt? Oh, of course. Yeah, I- anything. You know what I mean? Uh, I- I've never said no to a fight. So every single time <laughs> they-, they-, they know my answer, I, I will... I'll fight whoever I have to, to, to get to that end goal. And that is being the undisputed world champion. So whether it's for an interim title, it's just, gets me one step closer to accomplishing that, uh, that goal of mine. And how do you feel about, um, Yair's skills? Cause you know, a lot of it's very exciting. He's got that really creative, uh, way of striking. We saw that with the, the Korean zombie knockout, that amazing kind of like upward elbow that he did. How do you feel like your skills match up with Yair if that fight were to happen? Yeah, I match up well with anybody. You know, I, I've been fighting people uh, my entire career that have the same sim, uh, same style, you know, pretty much as him. I Like I mentioned earlier, I have, you know, <laughs> a ton of people to, to pick from in, in my training room that can emulate his style, you know, and he, he comes from a Taekwondo background. I, I think he's, he's elusive um, with his kicks, you know what I mean? Like, and that's his biggest threat is his, his unorthodox kicks. He's fast and he has these, these crazy kicks, but um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I fought people like that on the regional scene, whatever I, I've been fighting at 55s. I've gone up and fought at 170. So it's like um, I'm a bad matchup for anyone in the division. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm up for whatever happens. You know, I just need, I need the opportunity um, and, and that's all it is, you know, you know, when people are like, yeah, it's, yeah. So it's just, I, I need the opportunity and, I, and I'll show the world how good I am. Wonderful. Um, I noticed that you, you studied in psychology, Josh. Um, and I just want to know if there's anything you draw from that uh, now uh, on when it, you know, and how does that impact on the mental sort of aspect of, of what you do for a living? And, and is it something when you do the, you know, on media day, if there's stare downs and things like that, is there anything from, you know, the psychological side of things where you, you know, you draw from that, you know, just, just tell me about how that's impacted on, you know, that, that part of your life has impacted on your, you know, your career as a mixed martial artist. 
You know, I, and that's something that I'd like to say that I, I can kind of like pick up on, even if maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I, I think these things, but, uh, no, I, I definitely pick up on people's like, uh, little tendencies that people do, whether the way they say things or like just their, their, their body behaves, like their behavior. Um, and, and so I, I, I do, I don't know, I feel like I can pick up on things and, and, and see if they really do believe what they're saying or, uh, you know, just how, they, just how they act, you know what I mean? So, um, not that it, that it matters, but it's just like the little insight that I feel like I, I have over people and, yeah. and, um, and then even just with me, like my own mentality and, and, um, you know, like what I'm willing to, to like go through or, um, to endure in in order to win and accomplish my goals. Um, yeah, I, that's why I say I'm not, I'm not lying when I'm say when I'm willing to go through anything to get, get my hand raised and, and I've proven it time and time again. And, and you'll never see me quit or look for a way out in a fight. I don't know about you, Stu, but I'm now slightly concerned you've been psychoanalyzing me for the whole of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> the little eyebrow raise as well. He's has been. He's been making notes. Oh, no. Um, We're going to get a therapy bill the from other... Josh in a minute. <laughs> oh, no. And your invoice. One of the other things, Josh, that I found quite fascinating, I'm like, you, you've got a Bachelor of Liberal Arts degree. Is that right? Mm-hmm. What? I mean, the idiot that I am. What is a, a liberal arts degree? How? What? What is that? Well, that's what what so, so it's like it was a BA, but it was a, a concentration in psychology. So that's mainly like most of it was. Yeah, it right. was just a yeah BA. Uh, it's linked to the psychology. Yeah, it was more. It's not just a bachelor's in psychology. It was a concentration, yeah. but the, predominantly it was most of the classes I took were psychology classes. Was Was there a moment when? you're studying and you you qualify in that and i i know from 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 doing a bit of research correct me if i'm wrong that you was looking at a a career within law or law enforcement like at what point was was there a conversation or a moment when you was like do you know what like i'm i'm going to become a mixed martial artist this is this is a, a legit career opportunity now what can you pinpoint when that was yeah well this was like going back to everything it was all part of my plan like it's uh well, I, 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 two things I always wanted to be in, and you know, a lot of people know it's like a pro athlete or a cop. Like I, I wanted to be a cop so bad since I, since I can remember since I was a little kid. Um, and there, I was training MMA. Like I said, in 2005, I went into Uriah's gym. I was, I was doing this and I planned on fighting and, and going forward with this, this dream of mine. And, um, I kept getting like, coaches kept calling me to like come wrestle in college and do all these things. At the time I was, I didn't want to go too far from home. So I could have went to the East coast. I could have went to the Midwest. Um, and Menlo college was just, you know, it was, it was like a two and a half hour drive away. Um, they had a, a good, like the school was good as well, as far as academics, just because it's a private college in the Silicon Valley. It was like two miles from Stanford. Um, I, I just figured that I wanted to go down and get my degree, uh, just in case fighting didn't work out for me. Like, I, but this was all part of the plan. But then I also knew from, if I go and wrestle at a, a four year level, even though it's NAIA, we still dueled and, and, and went to all these D one, um, 
tournaments and things like that. So it's like my, my wrestling would get that much better where I could come back and, and pick up and start fighting and it would translate really well to that. And, and so that's exactly what I, I did. You know, I just went down there. I was, I was down at school for three years to the day. I, I graduated college, got better at wrestling while I was down there. I was going to some boxing gyms and training with some, uh, of my, my friends that wrestled with, like that I wrestled with on the team and they already did MMA. So it, it, was, it was just part of my plan. It was just like part of the, just a long process, you know? And then I came back in 2010, went into your eyes gym again, started training for two months. And then I had that first amateur fight I was telling you about, like, and then just, I wanted to fight as consistently as possible. Cause I, my only goal was to get in the UFC. Like I only wanted to fight for the UFC and, and nothing else. And I got offered to fight in other organizations, but I turned it down because the UFC is the biggest, best platform in my opinion. And, and so it took me a long, long time to get there, but it was just me being like persistent and disciplined. And, uh, it, it was a tough, tough road for sure. But, um, yeah, I got there. I know we we're short on time with you, Josh. I know we were sort of running over uh, now, but there's there's something I'm always interested in asking uh, fighters like yourself that have maybe suffered with with injuries or not, uh, because um, I, I, as an actor, the worst the worst thing about being an actor for me is when you're not working, you're not really in control of your destiny. You're waiting for the phone to ring or for people to cast you in something and all that. And when you're not working can have a negative impact on your mental health because you feel like you know you're put on this earth to do one thing it's a thing that you love to do and as a fighter with that's suffered a bit of in, with injuries and I know we asked Paddy Pimblett this a while ago as well because he suffered with injuries a, a few years ago how does it affect your mental health when you've got an injury that's preventing you to, to from achieving your goals and doing the thing that you love to do and are there any ways that you enable yourself to get through any of those dark times if it does affect your mental health yeah it's um it is tough because because some of the injuries that i went through like in the past that were there are big injuries too and and you'll see yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people have given up after some of the stuff that i've gone through but it's it's just like it's like the resilience that i have and i, I just i'm i'm so like like when I want something, I'm obsessed with it. So it's like, it, it, I, yeah, I definitely went through some dark times during these, these, uh, some of these injuries that I had in the past, but you know, you, you have a choice too. I, I feel like it's with anything. It's like, you can sit there, um, not even if it's an injury, just in anything in life, it's like, you can sit there and dwell on it and, and be negative and all this stuff. But what does that really accomplish? Maybe it makes those darker times get even darker. So I just, I just, I, and the feeling that I have, like, in my mind, just thinking that, you know, with bones and things like with time, things will get better and heal. Um, and, and I just, I truly believe deep down inside. I'm like, like you said earlier, I feel like I was put on this, this earth to do great things. And, and, uh, and I truly believe that. And I know that no matter what I'm going through with time, it, it's going to get better. It'll pass and I'll get right back on track. Maybe I just had to take this, this little detour, but it's, uh, everything that has happened to me has happened for a reason because if certain things didn't happen good or bad, it would have led me to this other way. And, and, and I just feel like I, no matter what, like something bigger and better always comes or always happens for me. Even when I was, I was so upset that this particular thing didn't happen this, this way that it was supposed to, but then it led me to something bigger and better, like I said. And um, so I just sit back now and just kind of know that everything's going to, to, 
be okay. And I, and I'm, I'm blessed and like in some odd way, whatever it is, something's always looking out for me. And, uh, you know, what, whether I, you, you need doors to close for other doors to open. And, uh, you know, no matter what, like I will be a world champion. I'm uh, like, if I can't get through the door, I'm going through the window. If I can't do that, I'm going to bust through the damn roof, but I will get there. And, uh, yeah, I just gotta, gotta be patient and, and, uh, yeah, just, just, just know that it'll happen and just trust the timing and the process. And, um, that's kind of what I've been doing and I, I've been in it for the long haul. Um, has it happened as fast as I would have liked or predicted, but it, it'll happen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You you mentioned patience there, and and you seem like a really calm and and, and and humble human, Josh. Tell me tell me a little bit about that moment when you're in the room before you make the ring walk. We're always fascinated to know what your routine is before you walk out. Like, is there have you got a process? Do you sit there with your feet up, staying calm, listening to music? Are you hitting pads? Like, what what's your routine before you make that walk? Yeah, I'm always uh, kind of the same thing. I have the same routine that I always do, but no, I'm I'm always super calm and in the moment and in the present. Like, you know, you you can. I don't know. I, I don't even get. I don't get nervous. Like that's the thing. And and I say I'm not like nervous to go out there and fight. It's I feel like I've I've seen a lot of things and gone. So I'm in a controlled environment. It's like <laughs> the only thing is it's just we don't know what's going to happen. It's like the unknowing. That's what maybe there's a little anxiety just cause like you really don't know what's going to happen in there. Uh, it's so unpredictable, but yeah, I, I just, I listen to music. I just kind of like talk, have a good time with my coaches and then we, we warm up. And then I just, I, I put so much work into my training and, and preparation that, um, like the fight, like after I make weight and then, and then the fight is where I can actually go a hundred percent because it's like in practice, you know, we, like, I'm not trying to injure my training partners and my teammates and friends. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm drill, I'm not drilling, but when we spar, I'm not going a hundred percent. And because I feel bad if I, you know, hit someone hard or, or go to the body or do something. So it's like, this is the time where I can actually like let it all go. And like, and I do really well in my camp the entire time. And, and I push myself to the absolute brink because like, I want to feel tired. Like you're in a fight, you're, you're going to get tired. I welcome that. Um, so I literally, I push myself so hard in training. So I don't, I don't even, I'm prepared for that. If, if I can even reach that in, in the actual fight, but I, I feel like I never do, you know what I mean? Cause I, train so hard. So the fight is like the easy part for me. You know, it's like, 
I'm just like, the more calm you are and like living in the present, but it's, it's actually like a, it's the only time that I can, I truly feel it like at like peace. It seems kind of weird, but because at that moment when I'm fighting, I'm only thinking about the person in front of me, like uh, about how I'm going to beat him, how I'm going to solve this puzzle, how I'm going to win. I'm not thinking about any like outside factors or anything. Like I'm not thinking about the mortgage next month or doing this or that. It's like, that's the only time that I can actually really try to like, I'm in the moment, you know, whereas all this other time we have all this outside stimulus and all this other um, things that affect not even just us as fighter, but just everybody, you know, you, you, we got a lot going on now and we're stimulated in, in different ways. So it's really the only time I, I feel like at peace, even though that sounds kind of weird, even though I'm in like this, this high stress situation, but to me, it's, it's peaceful. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. That's a great answer. Um, Josh, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you one final question and then, and then let you go. Um, the, it's quite a big one. It's, um, there's still large sections of society that see mixed martial arts as a bit of a throwback to a more barbaric time. How I wanted to ask you kind of when dealing with conversations with people that, that have that kind of thought, is there anything that you go to as your reasoning for why you think that mixed martial arts or, or martial arts in general is actually a, a beneficial thing for society as a whole? Yeah, no, I, uh, no, I, I get it. And, and I do feel like it's, it's, it's barbaric in a sense, just because like, look at it, you know what I mean? Like there, there's people that aren't like, that don't follow the sport. Like if you really know what's going on and like, like I, I love it when people are grappling. Cause I, like, I understand it. Like I, when people are doing like really like slicks, uh, transitions or submissions and stuff like that. But I, I know a lot of people that aren't so familiar with grappling and wrestling. They're like, Oh, stand them up. Like if you want to just see knockouts, go watch like boxing or kickboxing, but in, in a sense where it is in the, the entertainment, um, you know, it's, it's entertainment. So that, that is why I, I do try to like, I'm always exciting. And I, I try to have these big knockouts and these big drug out wars and fights, but, but, but it is barbaric for people like, you know, like a older lady watching this and, and, or like, say like my, my mom, she doesn't like, she doesn't like this. My wife doesn't like this, but it's, it's just like what I chose and, and they, they support me. Um, but, but I, I think it's good in a sense where, you know, I even have like all my, my friends, they have younger kids and like, they're all like, they're fighting each other. And they're like, I'm Josh Emmett, you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, but I'm, uh, but, but, it, but it's kind of, it's cause they let them watch it. But, but I think it's good where it's like, it's like any other martial art. Like if, if, if you're going to a gym and it, it teaches discipline, um, like obviously like now the next generation of kids that are fans of the sport MMA and they're getting into MMA gyms instead of like karate or taekwondo now, and they're going to be just freakish athletes as they get to, you know, be 18 or, or so whenever they can compete. And, and we're already kind of seeing that, but yeah, as long as you use it, like, like in a, in a, like a self-defense, uh, if you ever had to use it that way or to protect someone like, okay, it's good. But like, as long as they're not going out just to go learn how to fight so they can go pick fights and stuff. But uh, that, that's where I could say where it's, uh, you know, good for the, you know, it's like as a whole. And, and even just like my, my, one some of our, our godchildren, like we have, like they're in jujitsu and, and I think it's great for, to, to teach, 
like self-confidence and even for like little girls or even women just in general, like self-defense. Like if you, if you know what you're doing in jujitsu, I'll, I'll take a, like, say, a say a small woman that's, you know, a black belt, but super slick over someone that doesn't really know a whole lot. Like I'll pick her all day because you can't technique is something special. That's when, especially like power, athleticism and strength, it, it only helps to a certain extent when you're, you know, caught in a choke or your limb is going away. It's not supposed to go. Like, um, I think it's great for self-defense. And, and like I said, just even, um, self, uh, whatever i'm saying just yeah just yeah, confidence exactly confidence yeah 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 no i agree I, I think it's great like my daughter does jujitsu and i think it, 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 her confidence improved even silly things like like posture stuff like that I, I i think that's great and i think it just gives people sometimes that that have got not a great deal of of either um hope or beneficial things going on it can give them uh i think a uh, opportunities in life that they never would have would have had and i i think that's the wonderful thing about those gyms and the way that it can bring people together and discipline that you talked about and the kind of a friendship circle and the family that you can get from and that's how i think wrestling it's like i you know you hear that saying a lot it's like once you wrestle everything else in life is easy and i do believe that because wrestling is such a hard grueling sport and it's not only the weight cut but it's like even a seven minute wrestling match that I've had in college is tougher than a 25 minute fight that I had eight weeks ago, way harder. And I know that it sounds crazy, but it is. There's a reason why people don't wrestle as much in there because it is hard. It's so much easier to stand up and, and throw punches and stuff, but wrestling is way tougher than, yeah. than fighting. And, uh, and, and, and I, I grew up from that and it, it's taught me so much. And just like the relationships and like the camaraderie that, uh, that you've had. It's just kind of like one of a kind and it's an individual sport, but it's a team sport. It's the same thing with MMA. It's like, I'm the only one going in there doing it, but I would not be there without my coaches, you know? So even though I'm, I'm going in there fighting, I'm still thinking about them putting all the work in for me. I'm thinking about my whole team and not the team alpha male, but like the people that are there supporting me and invested in me and all this type of stuff. Like it's, it's a, it's a team sense, but I'm just the one going in there and, and doing the work. Um, and then after that, it's like, we, we reap the rewards, all of us. Wonderful. Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to sit and talk to you and ask you some questions, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Thank you guys. It was fun. Cheers, man. And apologies oh, yeah. for running over. Sorry if we've uh, <laughs> taken up too much of your day. Thank you so much, mate. It's been a great chat. We're press Cheers. You guys take care. There we go, Josh Emmett. What a lovely man. Lovely man. And, I mean, it's just so... The little wrinkles of things that you get from people's lives, like the, the whole psychology thing, wanting to be a police officer, the fact that he, that he saved a man's life. I mean, that just the things that I never knew about, uh, about Josh Emmett until chatting to him. And then, obviously, you know, the talk about what could come next. I mean, we could have just been interviewing a guy that's the next featherweight champion, whether that be interim or if, if things work out for him, undisputed. But Josh Emmett is, is fourth ranked in, the, in a really stacked division. And I think he's someone that's very underrated in the UFC. Yeah. I think people, He's one of the quiet guys in the top 10, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's, he's kind of like an American Arnold Allen in a way. He's, like, Absolutely, he's, yeah. he's one of those ones that's not, not big on all the, the chat, but delivers yeah. inside the octagon. And... and at the end of the day, that's 
that is the main thing you have to do. It just means that if you're not doing the chat as well, you sometimes have a, a longer road to those big yeah. fights and to the title fights and stuff. So best of luck to Josh on his mission to get a title shot soon. There's such a, a, a weird thing about talking to fighters. And, you, and it's when you, you have these conversations that you realise that they're very different people to me and you. And I think when he said, yeah, you know, like um, my first fight, um, it was just really fun. Do you know, it was really neat. Like, who describes, like, a fight as being neat? Like, he said it was neat, and I just thought, my God. He then said, I mean, I don't know why I'm saying this, because people have just listened to this episode. But he said, you know, like, in 25 minutes when I'm in there, you know, I'm just at peace. Mate, I would not be at peace if I was in an octagon with someone I'm, trying to punch my I'd face be in. in. I'd be in pieces. I'd be pieces. Fall, falling my eyes out in pieces, probably. <laughs> Please don't stop it. Um, but but yeah. I just thought it was amazing. He's so calm, isn't he? he yeah. He's such like, a, 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 you know, as we mentioned, he's, he's one of the quiet guys of the, of the division. And, and I hope that doesn't cost him anything because, you know, we, we've seen... You know, a lot of other fighters talk good games and it's got them fights. And I think where he is in that division now, he's earned that through fighting and, and not through trash talk, not through, you know, playing the media. He's he, he's there on the, on his merits as a mixed martial artist. So it'd be great to see him get that into him or to get the shot at the champ. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at featherweight is stacked. He's on a five-fight win streak. As we all know, Arnold Allen's on about a nine-fight win streak at the moment. Yeah. But uh, I think... Arnold hasn't necessarily fought anyone in like the top five and uh, Josh Emmett's just beat Calvin Cater so how was that little burp you done there oh it was lovely I, I thought I got away with it but thanks for bringing that up and then obviously there's Yair Rodriguez in there as well so look it's a stacked division any one of those three guys I think has got a claim to a title shot you know I always say when you're on a really long win streak like Arnold Allen is, he's got a claim Josh Emmett Absolutely. certainly has a claim after beating Calvin Cater and Yair Rodriguez is someone that's got a claim as well although his win over Ortega that kind of iffy win Ortega hurt his shoulder a bit I think an interim title fight between Josh Emmett and either Arnold Allen or Yaya Rodriguez if Volk's out for a long time and then wants to go up and fight the 155-pound champ makes a lot of sense. But I think Josh Emmett really is the name that should be in there out of, out of those three at the moment. I, I'd like to see him against Arnold Allen. but Yeah, absolutely. And if you're like a fan of, uh, if you're a fan of Arnold, then go check out the back catalogue of this podcast. We spoke to Arnold a couple of times on here. We spoke to Dan Hooker. We've spoken to Volk. We've spoken to the champ as well. So, uh, so go check them out. They're just a few that have fought in that division recently. Uh, and there's a whole host of all your favourite fighters that have been on and had chats with, with Blake and I. Some talking about upcoming fights, some doing the more long-form career-spanning chats like what we've just had with Josh. Um, the best way uh, that you won't miss out on any of the action that we throw at you is to subscribe. If you subscribe, then it'll just pop up on your listening device each week. You can keep up to speed with everything we've got coming up, everything that we've got out, and all some other bits and pieces in between by following us on the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I think I've run out of things to say. Are we done? I think we're done, mate. We'll see you next time. Bye.